How's everyone doing this morning? Thank you, thank you. I have one fan in, this, in, the, in the crowd. That's all that matters. Um, so today we are continuing through our series, The Seven Habits of a God-First Christian. It is based all out of 2 Peter 1, 5-7, and it says this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to your goodness knowledge, and to your knowledge self-control, and self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Today we are focusing on knowledge, and it's scary because I'm 23 and I think I know things, but um, just like many parents out there, your kids know, you think they know things. My parents always look at me and say, you think you know everything, but just wait till you get older. Um, I still think I know everything, I promise I do, until, until I get told that I don't, and then I guess, I guess, I guess I'm wrong. Occasionally I have to give my parents credit that they're right sometimes. Um, today's main thing, though, is that one of Satan's greatest victories has been keeping the church ignorant of God's word. So, not only do, does Satan love stupid people, I believe Ikea loves stupid people. Ikea absolutely loves stupid people because if you've ever tried to put together Ikea furniture and not use the instructions, you get about halfway through, and uh, all the dads and all the boys know what I mean, because instructions are for losers, right? Amen? Um, you get halfway through and you look and you're like, this doesn't look like the picture. And then you're, you finally admit defeat. And then you go to instructions and have to tear down half your work. And I recently put together a dresser from Ikea. And it took me uh, about six hours to put it together because I tried to do it without instructions because it looks pretty straightforward. And then I got to putting the shelves in and I realized that I had screwed on the like tray backwards. And so I had to undo the, all of it and finally went to the directions and figured out how to put the tray in correctly. So... Um, but Satan loves when we are ignorant of God's word because Satan wants us to blindly follow the leaders of the world, the leaders of our church, our mentor. Um, not, not saying that mentors and the leaders of the church are, good, are bad, but um, you need to go into your Bible. You need to go into God's word and find your biblical foundation. There's one thing that uh, many of you all know. I'm taking a part of this, uh, being a part of this program. It's called the 4C Ministry Institute. It's for ministers who want to go into the ministry field um, but have either been a part of college and kind of stepped away and don't enjoy the college scene or people who just don't have the money to go to college because college is very expensive and um, ministry does not pay well. And it's, I'm not here for the money. I love ministry. But they've devised this program so I don't have to spend money, but I get to do ministry. I get to do God's work. And one, our, our main kind of motto is we have to find the biblical pattern so you can't pull scriptures randomly in different versions and use it to back up our beliefs. So we have to go through, and uh, my teacher this year, he goes, if you are doing good scripture work, you have two different versions in front of you because there are so many different versions of the Bible out there um, that you need, you need to fact check the translations and stuff. And, and it's very important to know what you believe and why you believe it because so oftentimes our teachers, our mentors might have a, a different understanding and, and might explain it the way that makes sense to them, but it doesn't make sense to you. So Satan loves it when you just follow them blindly because he can get you off your path very, very easily. And that brings us to our first point, that our only weapon is the sword of the Spirit. So the Word of God, as described in Ephesians when Paul's writing uh, this letter, is, is in the armor of God. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is God's Word. So Ephesians 6 13 through 17 says this, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm with it, with 
Stand firm, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flames, flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So we put all these things on to protect us, but our only weapon is the word of God, because it is the only thing that can destroy evil. It is the utmost truth. It takes away all of Satan's lies. It proves him wrong. Every, you know, you the little cartoon, you got the angel on your right shoulder and the devil on the left shoulder, and the devil's whispering the things, and the angel's whispering the good things. But ultimately, the word of God will defeat Satan's words, no matter what. Satan has already lost the battle. We talked, Dave mentioned this. Satan has lost the war. There are many battles we fought for us, uh, we get to fight them, and he's already lost the war, but he wants to take as many people to hell with him as possible because he doesn't want to lose alone. No one enjoys losing alone. And so our job is to use the word of God to get a knowledge of the word of God and to make it our weapon. It is our only weapon. Um, oftentimes we come to church just to get filled up, and that's all we get. And so uh, I'm challenging you all to not just come to church, but you all need to use the Bible. I'm going to mention over and over again, find your biblical foundation, biblical uh, understanding, because oftentimes as humans, we try and put our own spin on the Word of God. We allow our uh, traumas, our depression, our ulterior motives, selfishness, our traditions that have been passed down from generation to generation get in the way of what the Word of God says. And so Satan can turn those ignorant Christians into what we call lukewarm Christians because they'll just blindly follow tradition that one of two things will usually happen. They'll either deviate off the path, but they'll deviate so much that they think God doesn't want them back and that God hates them, but it's false. So I, I want you all to know that if you think that God hates you and doesn't want you back and you're in here today, that that's not true. God loves you. He wants every single one of us on this earth to go to heaven and spend eternity with him and his son. Um, but the other thing that can happen is we f- deviate slightly off the path, just enough that it seems like from the outside world, or to us, honestly, that we're still a Christian. Um, Dave mentioned that last week with the popular uh, religion that he called it in America. Uh, I forgot the fancy name for it, but it's, it's what makes you feel good. You think you're doing good things, I'm a good person, so I should go to heaven. Um, and so Satan's lied to you. Doing good things is great. Don't get me wrong, we need to do good things as Christians. We are here to take care of, take care of the world. Um, but we need to follow God's rules, God's law, God's words. Only God's law is God's words. Because when we deviate slightly off that path, it might look like we're a Christian, but we're not doing what God has called us to do. And so we turn into a lukewarm Christian who comes Sunday morning, sits in the pew, gets filled up, maybe goes to community group once or twice a week. Their kids maybe go to youth group once or twice a week or once or twice a month, sorry, and uh, they feel good, they feel fine, but they're not. Scary as that sounds, we need to be in the Word with God, communicating with Him always. So the next point for me is that to know the Word, though, we must read the Word. And so Scripture is full of times over and over again about how important reading Scripture is. Over, I have a few that I'm going to read off to you real fast. Um, I couldn't feel my... I would have gone on for hours because it just benches it so much. So Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Psalm 119, 130, the, inf- 
excuse me, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Proverbs 35, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. God is perfect. God's words are perfect. They defend us. They protect us. We use it as our weapon against evil. And so I found some staggering statistics uh, when I was preparing for this, and I was preparing another message similar to this for the youth group, um, about being in the Word four times or more a week. Some crazy, crazy numbers. So the first one, you are 228% more likely to share your faith with others if you're in the Word four or more times a week. The second one, you are 231% more likely to disciple others, a command straight from Scripture, if you are in your word four or more times a week. The last one, you are 407% more likely to memorize scripture um, if you are in the word for four more times a week. So the first two are commands straight from scripture. Share our word and make disciples who can make disciples. The last one is very important because we use memorizing scripture to be able to defend our faith, defend our, our background. We, as much as I love to say I'm good at memorizing scripture, I'm, I'm terrible at memorizing anything. I know my phone number, I know my mom's phone number, and I know my dad's phone number. Other than that, I have five, four siblings and a fiance. I could not tell you, I could maybe tell you the first three numbers of their phone number. But um, we were in the word over and over again. We might not memorize the exact words, but we'll memorize where that argument maybe have come up, and we can flip through to that area and, and read through it. Um, if you're not good at memorizing like me. That's something I've become better at as I've been a minister because I'm constantly in the Word. I've been forced to be in the Word more because I'm a minister. But I should not have been forced to do that. I should have been willing to be in the Word because there is more, more in the Word of God than the world can give us. So Paul also writes this letter to Timothy about how important knowing Scripture is. Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the first part I'm here is all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, simply. Simply what I'm doing up here. I'm talking to you all about the word of God. What you all might do to your kids, uh, discipling falls into teaching. Um, what you might do with a good friend of yours, our lost brothers and sisters who we might talk to at our work on a daily basis when we teach them, it's, it's part of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, the Great Commission. And the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age." So like the statistics said, we are 231% more likely to make disciples if we're in the Word four more times a week, and the Scripture tells us to go out and make disciples. We are more likely to follow the commands of God if we are reading the commands of God. And so we need to be in the Word so we can have the knowledge to defend our faith and raise up the kids and the lost brothers and sisters. So the next one is rebuking. So rebuking is bringing someone back to the truth. Uh, we are, I call it the creation circle. So if you divide it into four corners, you have we are created by God in the perfect image of God. Then we fall to sin and evil steps into the world. And we are saved again because of the redemption of Jesus Christ. And then the last corner is making disciples, which we've already talked about. And so we, as Christians, is our job to bring the fallen earth the fallen people back, because 
Christianity is on a rise, but there's still people out there who don't believe in God, who don't believe in Jesus. And so God wants a full heaven. There's no doubt about that. He loves us all. We are made in his image, but we have fallen short. We have sinned. The earth is, the people on the earth have sinned. And so our job is to bring them back to to God. And so the Greek word, here's a fun little history lesson. I love I'm sorry, I'm a history nerd, so whenever my Bible has little tidbits about history and about translations, it's my favorite thing to go search them up. I think that's a guy thing. There's a meme out there that's like, when you turn 25 or 23 or whatever, you either go all into smoking meats or you go all into history. And I think I've gone to the history side of that. My brother is a smoker, and a meat smoker, and he, I mean, he makes some really good meats there, but um, I'm just a history person. I watch all the documentaries, all of it. So I love to go learn these history lessons. So the Greek word used here, it means to persuade or, or being persuaded or persuasion. And so we are to persuade the fallen children of God to come back to God. And the next one is correcting. And so rebuking is persuading people to come follow Christ. And so now correcting is, using, is being able to correct false teachers, false ideas, false traditions, false doctrines, whatever word you want to shove in there, um, to correct them, to, again, be rooted in the Bible, to be, have a proper biblical foundation, so you can, because there's a proper biblical pattern that we see over and over again. Um, oftentimes, people will pull, uh, we made a joke talking, uh, in this, as a staff, there's a preacher that we used, that Dave used to listen to, who would just pull random scriptures from all different versions, and would throw in there whatever made it fit in his, uh, in his sermon, and would use you know, random versions that I've never heard of, and the message version, and the NIV if it fit, or the New American Standard Bible if it fit. So we have to be able to, again, have a biblical foundation, but also know the biblical pattern. And um, the f- there is a fine line, however, that I, I do need to, to mention about correcting and rebuking, because uh, we, even though we're Christians, we've still fallen short of the glory of God. We are still not perfect we have to be careful not to judge and do it maliciously. There's a difference between correcting and like yelling at someone that they're stupid, um, which I'm the youngest of five, so I've been yelled at that I'm stupid quite often. Uh, my brother actually still doesn't. He's a minister somewhere else, but that's just family traditions. Um, but we can't do it maliciously. Correcting and rebuking, it always, again, needs to be based solidly in the Word of God. And so the last one that Paul mentions is training in righteousness, this idea of training so we can be equipped to do what we're supposed to do. Um, if you're going into ministry or if you're thinking about going into ministry, training yourself up so you can be prepared to do whatever ministry you're called to. If, if you work a secular job, you will still be called to do things. You'll still be called to talk to certain people. You'll still be called to uh, kind of just step in and love on people when they need it, when they're hurting, show the love of God. But um, we can't be trained in the Word of God, again, if we don't read the Word of God. Like, there's a pattern here. If we don't read it, we don't know it. Again, Ikea, if you try and put a shelf together and you don't read the instructions, you're going to do it wrong. If you try and be a Christian without reading the Bible, you're going to do it wrong. You're going to do it wrong. There's no, no way around it. And so this is my last point and one of my biggest points that I want you all to remember is that we have to have the knowledge to raise up the next generation. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. 
These commands that I, <clears throat> excuse me, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them to symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So we are, as parents, I'm not a parent yet, but I hope to be in a few years, um, we get the privilege to raise up little Christians, I like to call them. We get the privilege to raise up kids and allow them to be one of our first disciples if we haven't already started discipling someone. They are one of our very first disciples because if we don't teach our kids to follow Christ, the world will teach them not to. Um, Our biggest role models in our our lives are often our parents, whether our kids want to admit it or not. I sadly look very much like my father, and if you knew my father when he was younger, you would agree, and still some people still agree, though, uh, even though they don't know him when he was younger. But we see our parents every day, multiple hours a day. Uh, My mom was my teacher for one year, so I saw her way more than some other kids saw their moms uh, and dads. But we are with our parents more often than we are in church, as sad as that is. As much as me and Dave and John and Jenny love spending time with your kids and talking to your kids, we have... They have their own kids. Uh, I have, you know, my own life, quote-unquote, so I can't spend every waking hour with them talking to them as much as I want to. I wish there was more hours in the day. I wish I wasn't so tired by 2 p.m. On an after- in an afternoon. Um, but we spend so much time with our parents. So uh, I, I know my parents' footsteps. I still do, but when I was little, it was more important um, because I would have a little Nintendo DS that I wasn't allowed to play past, like, 9.30, and uh, I would still play because I'm a nerd and I love Pokemon. I've been playing way too... The new Pokemon game just came out, and I've been playing way too much Pokemon. And all the high schoolers are like, yep, me too. So use this trick. Don't tell your parents I told you it. So parents, I didn't tell your kids this. Uh, but I knew their footsteps. So I, would, I was with them so much that I knew when my mom or my dad was coming. And so I would close my Switch or my Nintendo DS, turn it off and slide it under my pillow and act like I was asleep. And then they would open the door... And then I think I tricked them because it worked. And then they'd close the door, and then I'd pull my DS back out and flip it back open and keep on playing. I only got caught once or twice, but um, my dad's pretty scary, so once or twice was enough for me to not do that anymore. Um, but your kids will be your first disciples, or, or very, very early on your disciples, because they know you, they're with you all the time, they love you. As much as they yell at you that they hate you, they love you, and you love them. You will spend so much time with your kids. The average, I found this statistic from uh, this company who makes youth group, youth ministry uh, curriculum. They're called Orange Curriculum. Um, it said the average church only has about 40-ish hours in a given year with a student because uh, that's, on average, a kid comes to a big church about once or twice a month and to youth group about once or twice a month. And we only get them for about an hour here and an hour downstairs. Um, but the average parent will have about 30,000 hours with their student in a, in a year to influence them. So as much, again, as much as I love hanging out with your kids and getting to act like a high schooler, I don't get that much time with them. It's your all's job as well to have the knowledge of the Bible, live the godly life, and give it out as an example for them so they can know and how to imitate it when they grow up. Because children are great imitators, um, and they... And, if you don't give them something to imitate from you, they'll imitate it from their favorite celebrity or their favorite basketball player or their favorite whatever, Twitch streamer, video game player person. Um, 
But we see over and over and over again in the Old Testament that what happens when you don't raise up the next generation focused on God is the fact that they keep falling. And it comes a vicious cycle of they would raise up, they would love God, worship God, they would have kids, their kids would love God, worship God, and then slowly over time they would stop focusing on God and focus on either earthly things or God, false gods, and then their kids would start worshiping earthly things and false gods and just completely forget about God, and then God would forsake them, as they like to say. And then they fall in love with God again and start worshiping God, and then their kids will fall in love with God. So it's a vicious, vicious cycle. And Satan loves this cycle when it happens in our families, when it happens to us. Satan loves it. There was a uh, I mentioned earlier about picking out random versions of things. There was a verse, I think it was the message in Proverbs. There was something that was just like, Satan loves stupid people. It's like, that needs to be a sticker. That would be, if, if Satan loves stupid people. Satan doesn't love stupid people. Satan loves people who are ignorant of the word of God. Satan wants you to just go along with what you're taught with. Taught. Satan wants you to just go along with what you feel, you feel like is good. Satan doesn't care about, that you are following, or that you aren't following Scripture, he just wants you in hell with him. He wants you to fall away from God. But we have to remember that all of the protections that we are given in the armor of God, our only weapon is the Word of God. And when we know the Word of God, we are able to defeat evil with the Word of God. When we know what the Scripture says, we know when Satan is lying to us and when God is talking to us. So many people I hear talk to me, they're like, I feel like I'm hearing two things, and they both sound good. I'm like, well, does one line up with Scripture? And sometimes they're like, not really. Does the other one line up with Scripture? Well, clearly, yeah. Follow the one that lines up with Scripture. Is that easy? If if you think you need to do something and it doesn't line up with Scripture, you're 99.9% most likely not supposed to do that. So use our only weapon, the Bible. And if you're like me, and you suck at reading, I'm sorry, that was, if you stink at reading, um, because I'm dyslexic, and it's a trend to have youth ministers that are dyslexic, because Rob was dyslexic, um, I stink at reading. And so I just put on the Bible app. It reads to me. It's the greatest thing in the world. It reads to me. I'll try and follow along every once in a while. And if you don't like the voices in the Bible app, get this. I figured out that the voice of Darth Vader, the original Darth Vader, reads the Bible. James Earl, there's a version of the Bible that James Earl Jones reads. It is one of my favorite versions to read or listen to because it's the voice of Darth Vader, and I'm a nerd, as you all know. But, again, we don't know the knowledge if we don't read the knowledge or listen to the knowledge. We can't use our only weapon if we don't know how to use our only weapon. And you have one weapon against evil, and that is the Word of God. You all have a great rest of your week. I hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving this weekend. I know I ate way too much food. Uh, You see you all next week. Bye-bye.